It's uh, John 20, verses 19 through 21. If you'd like to follow along. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were, over, were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Thank you, Christian. Good morning, church. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today, especially if you're visiting. Thank you for coming our way. We would like to uh, ask that you will stay around a few moments after our services so that we might get to know you better. Hold your finger there in John chapter 20 and John chapter 21. That's where we'll be in just a few minutes. Uh, as has already been announced, there are a lot of things going on in, within our church family. I want to thank all those who put so much time and effort into our adult Christmas party that we enjoyed on Friday uh, and uh, the great number that was here, so thank you uh, for participating and thank you for those who were involved in that. Also, we want to express our thanks and appreciation to all those who have helped and volunteered and helped in any way with our adult and teen challenge group uh, over this past year. It, it has meant a lot uh, to those men and we continue to hear good things from them about how they feel about this congregation, so we thank you for that. We have one final opportunity to help them this, uh, this year. Um, if you would like to donate uh, so that we might be able to give them gloves and toboggans, uh, you can make those, uh, give those contributions or those donations to Miss Diane Wilkins, and that will be greatly, greatly appreciated and will be distributed to them uh, on Monday. So if you can help with that, uh, thank you for that, but give those donations to Miss Diane. Also, I want to just remind you and let you know the things that have been happening with the House of Hope. Uh, last week on Thursday, uh, we opened that for food, and we were able to serve about 23 uh, individuals from our community. And uh, I heard many, many good things about the interaction that took place between our neighbors and those that were involved in the House of Hope. So if you would like to be involved in that, please see uh, Ray or Janet or Greg Cochran. I know that uh, they will find places for you to serve. We need people to help bag groceries. We need help people to help put things together. Uh, we will need in the future people to help in sorting clothes and things like that. So if you can help in with the House of Hope, please see uh, Ray or Janet or Greg Cochran. One month from now, January the 28th through the 20th, is Evangelism University. I want you to go ahead and be thinking about that and putting that in your mind and, and planning that date in your mind. It will be here before you know it. And so if you have helped in the past, go ahead and be planning about ways that you can help this year. Uh, if, if there's a particular area that you like to help in and that you've done so, uh, please make sure you see those individuals uh, that have helped with that. Also, uh, one of the biggest needs is that for housing. If you can house these young people, these youth groups, or you know of someone who has housing available, uh, please see Miss Melanie Crummel or Miss De Denise Rinks, and uh, that will be greatly, greatly appreciated. There are a lot of Christmas music, mu movies that take place during this time of the year. 
Uh, one of my favorites, and um, it's probably one of my favorites because I don't see it a whole lot, but I know those of you who are in school, uh, preschool and elementary school especially, you've probably seen this movie a number of times, and that's the Polar Express. But in the Polar Express, it, it tells the story of this young boy who is struggling with his belief in Santa Claus. And so he is awakened one night by a passenger train out in front of his house. And he goes out and the conductor tries to convince him to get on the, this train called the Polar Express headed for the North Pole. And so the conductor gets back on the train and the train begins to take off. And this young boy, he reluctantly finally gets on the train and his journey begins. His journey of belief. Down toward the end of the movie, after this young man has met some new friends and gone on this journey and some exciting times, he gets down to the end and there Santa Claus is about to come out and appear. All the elves are there, all these children that are on the Polar Express, they're there. And, but before Santa Claus comes out, you remember in the movie, if you've seen the movie, the elves bring the reindeer out and they place on the reindeer some bells. And then Santa appears. Everyone begins cheering. The reindeer begin dancing. The bells begin ringing. Except this boy cannot hear the bells. Neither can he see Santa Claus. And so he's moving around the crowd trying to see Santa Claus. And finally, one of those bells fall off the reindeer and it rolls over to where he's at. And he picks up the bell. He looks at it. And he puts it to his ear and he shakes it and he cannot hear it. And then he makes a decision. He looks at the bell and he closes his eyes and he says, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then again he puts it to his ear and he can hear. You see, in that movie, belief made a difference for that young boy. And for those today and for all of history and our future into eternity for all those who would follow Jesus. Belief is also important. And so today we're going to talk about believing in the King. Believing in the resurrection of the King. Now you might ask yourself the question, hey, it's December. Hey, a lot of people are thinking about the birth of Christ. Why, why don't we talk about the birth of Christ? Because the reality is, the birth really means something without the resurrection and everything in between. And so today, let's go and let's look at John chapter 20 and John chapter 21 and notice some principles, two principles that John mentions about belief. The first one is seeing is believing. Or is it? Look at John chapter 20 beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. <clears throat> one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
And after eight days, His disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then He said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have been, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Often we think of Thomas as the doubting disciple. He's known as doubting Thomas, right? But the reality is the other disciples also had doubts. They were not anticipating what would happen, though Jesus actually said, because, I mean, think about it. The reality is no one can rise from the dead, right? No one had done anything like this and been raised like Jesus, right? Oh, sure, now Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Many had seen, many had heard. Jesus had raised others from the dead, but no one had experienced or seen or believed anything like what has happened. You know, the reality is, if we were there, we might likely be thinking the exact same things that Thomas and these other disciples were thinking. It's not possible. Most of the disciples had been gathered together on the first day of the week. They had gathered there in this room, the doors being locked for fear of the Jews, that the Jews would seek them and do the same to them as they had done to Jesus. And as they are there in that room, Jesus appears to them. He blesses them with peace. You see, they had had the opportunity to see the evidence of where Jesus had been hung on the cross and His side, side pierced. Thomas, for some reason, was not with them then. And then the disciples, they go and tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas makes that statement. He says, listen, unless I see His hands, unless I physically see them before me, unless I can touch His side and feel where the sword pierced His side, I will not believe. Maybe... He was like Peter and John, you remember? You remember when Mary had told them, listen, the Lord is not in the tomb. And they didn't believe. They had to run to see, right? Well, eight days later, the disciples are gathered again, and this time Thomas is with them. And the Lord appeared. And the Lord told Thomas, Thomas, touch my hands. Feel where they had pierced my hands with the nails. Feel where they appears my side with the sword. And he said, Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine the emotion that Thomas was filled with? And finally he believes and he says, My Lord and my God. Thank you, Bradley, for leading us in that song. My Lord and my God. It's one thing to see and believe, isn't it? But it's another thing to not see and still believe. Look at what Jesus 
Let's look again at what Jesus told Thomas in verse 29 of John chapter 20. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. That's the blessing. To have not seen and yet to have believed. Now think for a minute. How are we like Thomas and these disciples? Mankind even today still wants to see and know the evidence, right? I mean, we don't want to believe things blindly, right? We want to see the evidence. It's not easy to believe things that are not logical. How are we then the same? Or how are we different from Thomas and the other disciples? You see, Thomas and these disciples, they were able to see the resurrected Lord face to face. We're not able to see the resurrected Lord tangibly face to face like them. Yet, if we believe or not, is important. It makes a difference. Because the reality is the evidence is just as clear. You see, we have the opportunity to study Scripture. Remember how last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 15 uh, verses 1 through 8 and Paul talked about how the Scriptures, the Scriptures talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Not only that, there's a lot of people that are still alive at the time of that writing that witnessed it. And so we have the opportunity to study the Scriptures, to see what the Scriptures say, to see what these eyewitnesses say. But we also have some added evidence, don't we? We have the ability to look back in history, to study history, to see how these events changed history and impacted history. We also have the opportunity to study and read about archaeologists and the things that they have found and science and the things that they have studied and found that support these events. That prove Scripture. That prove Jehovah God. That prove the risen Savior. In the movie, there's a point where the conductor voice of Tom Hanks, he says to this young boy and his friend, sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. That's some great advice, isn't it? That's some great advice for those of us who would live out our Christian lives and seek to share that with others and share the evidence that we have learned And the faith of what God has done through Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, there are many who have written about theories about the resurrection. They have written about, you know, really Jesus didn't die. He just passed out and when they put Him in the grave, uh, uh, the coolness of the grave kind of helped His wounds to heal and He revived and walked out of the tomb. But you just see, the reality of that is that also takes faith to believe, right? But the evidence for that compels nothing to the evidence that Jesus did actually rise from the grave. 
Isn't it interesting in Scripture that it was the Jewish leaders who remembered that Jesus said He would rise on the third day? And they said, let us put, let us put guards in front of the tomb lest someone, lest His disciples come and take Him away and say He's risen. They remembered. But not the disciples. They were not expecting that. In fact, remember when Mary was going to the tomb, what she, they were contemplating her and these other ladies, who's going to remove the, the stone from the tomb? She did not expect to find it empty. And when she found it empty, remember she said, where, where have they laid him? Someone has taken the body of my Lord. Where have you laid him? She thought someone had stolen his body. I mean, it seems crazy, doesn't it? For Jesus, or anybody for that matter, to die for a lie? You see, the evidence is real. And speaking of believing, look what, look what Jesus said in verses 30 and 31 of John chapter 20. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to ask you the question, are you here today and you're struggling with belief? Thomas did, without the evidence. The disciples did, Mary did, without the evidence. The evidence is clear if you will study it and look at it. The evidence is clear. But I want you to remember something. John wrote these words, not to just be writing in any book. John is writing these words, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he says, I'm writing these things so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through His name you may have life. Do you know people looking for life? There's a lot of people looking for life. There's a lot of people looking for the meaning of life. There's a lot of people looking for happiness in life. And John said, listen, it's not out there in the world. It's not out there in stuff. It's not out there in positions. It's in Jesus Christ. And I've written telling you about these things so that you will believe and so that you can have life. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15 beginning in verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. 
Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If this in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Paul says, listen, if Jesus didn't really rise from the grave, then all this preaching we've been doing, it's for nothing. And if Jesus really didn't rise from the grave, then guess what? You're still in your sins because your faith, it's empty. It's futile. It's nothing. So why are you here? Why do you come to worship? Why are you involved in the church? Why did you decide to become a Christian? If Christ did not rise, it's of no value. If Christ did not rise, then what we do each and every week is just to make us feel good. Like we've done something. But notice what Paul says. But now, Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen. Christ did rise from the dead. And notice the second thing back over in John chapter 21. The second important principle that John speaks about believing. You see, he wants us to know that believing... Real believing is putting that belief into action. Notice what he says in John 21, beginning in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Jesus had appeared a third time to the disciples while they were fishing. And even then, they didn't even recognize Him in the first part of chapter 21 tells us. But after Jesus spoke, John recognized Him and He told Peter, It's the Lord! And after they ate breakfast, they gathered around the campfire on the edge of the sea there. And after they had breakfast, Jesus had this important conversation with Peter. Many say that in this conversation, Jesus restores Peter. Or maybe a better word is He reaffirms Peter. Jesus asked Peter those three times, Do you love me? And Peter responds those three times, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But I want you to think back to the things that had inspired over the last week of Peter's life. Do you remember back in Matthew 16 and verse 16, Peter made that great confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In John 13, he had told Jesus, I will lay down my life for your sake. He was ready to fight for Jesus. And in the garden in John chapter 18, he cuts off the right ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus. And to top it all off, recorded in Luke chapter 22, also the other Gospels, but I like Luke chapter 22. 
Peter did exactly what Jesus said he would do. And he denied him three times. But in Luke chapter 22, the Bible records that as Jesus had brought back into this gathering area where all these people were gathered, and Peter being in that same crowd, and then them in a sense threatening Peter and asking Peter, you're, you're one of his followers, and Peter three times denied him, and the rooster crowed. And Luke says that Peter looked, and Jesus looked at Peter, and their eyes met. And Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. Can you imagine the things that must have been going through his mind in this third appearance of Jesus to his apostles? And he asked Jesus, or Jesus asked Peter these questions Do you love me? Can you imagine the things that were going through Peter's mind? Could he ever be what he once was? Could he still serve the Lord the way he had? Could he, could he still ever have no peace again? Had he disqualified himself from fruitful service? You may be here today and you may be wondering some of the same things. Maybe there's some sins or sin in your life. Or maybe there's some things that have just pulled you away from your relationship with the Lord. And maybe you're wondering... Am I, am I disqualified from the same fruitful service I once did? Can I ever serve in the same way? Can I ever be the same? Can I ever enjoy that peace again? The response is in what Jesus said. That makes all the difference, doesn't it? Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, in other words, Jesus says to Peter, and through this example to you today, if that's where you're at, yes, 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 yes you can. Turn back to me. And yes, you can live and serve in that same way. Turn back to me. Yes, you can enjoy that same peace. I want you to think about what lies behind the three questions that Jesus asked? And keeping in mind all the things that have gone on in Peter's life over the last week, all the things that have happened in Jesus' life over the last week, and Jesus asked to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than these disciples around you? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, Peter, secondly, I want to know, do you really love me? You see, it's interesting that in Jesus' question, when He says love, you know there's four types of love in the Greek language. Jesus uses two of those in these three questions. The first two times He says, Peter, do you really agape me more than these? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I have that affectionate love for you. Peter, do you really agape me? Yes, Lord, you know that I have that affectionate love for you. Then feed my lambs, tend my sheep. And then comes that third question. And Jesus says, P 
Peter, do you really phileo me? Do you really have an affectionate love for me? You see, Jesus, or Peter may have been responding because he knows he has failed. Lord, I'm not sure I can say I agape you. I have failed you. I have proved that I really didn't agape you. But I do have an affectionate love for you. Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I have an affectionate love for you. And teach my lambs. Take care of and watch over my sheep. And you know what? Peter did that the rest of his life on earth. And he did it so well that it cost him his life. Or did it? Seeing is believing. Or is it? I want us to think in the last few minutes this morning. I know you may have other things going on and other plans you're making, but I want you to think seriously about some questions I want to ask you. If Jesus was here, were here today, if, if He were to sit down with you and if He were to ask you, do you love me? Do you love me? What would your response be? If He told you to move your belief and your love to action, what would you do? You see, if Jesus were to ask us or tell us to feed His sheep, He would be talking about His children. The church. But I want you to think through some of that. That in that, Jesus may be saying... Lead your family spiritually. Fathers and mothers, lead your family spiritually by example, by teaching, by how you respond to things, by saying, I'm sorry when I've made a mistake, by your own action and trying to do the right things, even when it seems impossible to do the right thing. It could be if He were here today that He would say, feed my sheep, that He would want you to feed His sheep by loving your spouse, loving your children, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ as He has loved you. Perhaps He would want, to, want you to feed His lambs by encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ even when it might seem hard and almost impossible. The Lord may also want you to feed His sheep by taking action on your love for Him and your belief in Him by extending forgiveness to those who have wronged you and hurt you in some way. Remember those words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Perhaps the Lord wants you to feed His sheep today by seeking to involve yourselves in an activity or activities of the church that maybe you haven't been involved in. We've talked about needing help for the House of Hope. We, we've mentioned about needing help for Evangelism University. Maybe you've never taught a Bible class before. Maybe that would be a, a part of you taking what Jesus has asked you to do and you're going to teach His young people. Are adults. 
Or maybe it's visiting the sick or someone who hasn't been here in a while. Maybe it's sending notes, as many notes as you can possible. Maybe it's leading in our worship service. You've never done that before. Why not start? Maybe it's helping out on the security team. Maybe it's preparing communion. Maybe it's saying, you know what, I'll turn the lights on and off. I'll make sure the trash is picked up. Maybe I'll help in this way or that. Whatever the activity. You see, that's a part of feeding the sheep of Jesus. But I think John wants us to look even beyond the activity. You see, the greater priority is on our love for the Lord that prompts us to feed, that prompts us to do, that prompts us to serve. That's the greatest priority. What's my priority today? Notice what someone is saying. Christ is saying to us, through Peter's example, that the greatest priority in life is the nature and importance of our love for God. Here we see a man who had loved God with all of his heart, but needed to be affirmed in that love before he could again serve fruitfully. Some of us may love Him dearly, others may not. But the abiding principle is that before all things, even service to Him, we must love Him with all our hearts. That is the highest priority in life. Seeing is believing. But sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. It's important that we, be, that we put our belief into action, realizing that our actions flow from our love for Jesus. There's an ancient story that comes from the Mideastern history, and it says that Cyrus, the great conqueror of then the known world, including Babylon, had a general under his authority whose wife was suspected of treason. She was tried, found guilty, and sentenced to death. And after the sentence was pronounced, the woman's husband, a general, made his way to Cyrus's throne, and he requested, King Cyrus, please let me take her place. Cyrus, in awe of what was trans- transpiring before him, said to his court, Can we terminate a love so great as this? He then paroled the woman to her husband. As the couple left the court, the general said to his wife, Did you see the benevolent look in Cyrus's eyes as he pardoned you? The wife responded, I only had eyes for the one who loved me enough that he was willing to die for me. What or who do you have eyes for today? Is it the one who is willing to die for you? Do you believe in Jesus and His love? If so, how has His love for you moved you to action for Him? Seeing is believing. Believing is that faith in action. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've struggled with belief. Maybe the things that have been said this morning have touched your heart. And you can say, not that I believe in a bell or Santa Claus, 
But I believe in the risen Savior. And I believe that He gave His life for me. And because I believe that, I'm, I'm ready to give my life for Him. If you believe, are you ready to put it in action? Are you ready to die with Jesus Christ in the watery graves of baptism to rise in newness of life? Going on your way rejoicing. Maybe it is you're here today. And you just simply need prayers of your church family. That's part of feeding the sheep. Is when you're hurting and you have need of prayers that you come and you let the church know, you let your church family know so we can help feed you, so we can help you along the way. Whatever your need is this morning, please do not wait. But come as together we stand and sing.